Pati Devi, Gauravani Pachani, Yevase Sasunyavadi Paspatyadi Satarani, Vandeham Shri Guru Pati Kamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavam Chak, Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raganatam Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvaritam Parijana Sahita Krishna Tejana Dhulam, Shri Radha Krishna Param Sagana Lavita Shri Vasakamishcha. Bhagavate Vasudevaya November 2nd, 2015, Skype class from Hilo, Hawaii, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 7, Further Inquiries by Vidura, Text 11. Yatajale Chandramasa Kampadistat Krito Guna Dristite Sanapidrastur Atmano Natmano Guna as Jale in the water Chandramasaha of the moon Kampa Adi quivering etc Tatkrita done by the water done by the water Gunaha Gunaha. Quality. 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 Drishyate. Drishyate. It is so seen. It is so seen. Asanapi. Asanapi. Without existence. Without existence. Drashtu. 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 Of the seer. Of the seer. Atmanaha. Of the self. Of the self. Anatmanaha. Of other than the self. Of other than the self. Gunaha. Gunaha. Quality. Translation in purport by Srila Prabhupada. As the moon reflected on water appears to the seer to tremble due to being associated with the quality of the water, so the self associated with matter appears to be qualified as matter. Purport. The Supreme Soul, the Personality of Godhead, is compared to the moon in the sky, and the living entities are compared to the reflection of the moon on water. The moon in the sky is fixed and does not appear to quiver like the moon on the water. Actually, like the original moon in the sky, the moon reflected on the water should also not quiver, but because of being associated with water, the reflection appears to be quivering, although in fact, in actual fact, the moon is fixed. The water moves, but the moon does not move. Similarly, the living entities appear to be tainted by material qualities like illusion, lamentation, and miseries, although in the pure soul such qualities are completely absent. The word pratiyate, which means apparently and not actually, like the experience of having one's head cut off in a dream, 
is significant here. The reflection of the moon on the water is the separated rays of the moon and not the actual moon. The separated parts and parcels of the Lord entangled in the water of material existence have the quivering quality, whereas the Lord is like the actual moon in the sky, which is not at all in touch with water. The light of the sun and moon reflected on matter take the matter makes the matter bright and praiseworthy. The living symptoms are compared to the light of the sun and the moon illuminating material manifestations like trees and mountains. The reflection of the sun or moon is accepted as the real sun and moon by less intelligent men, and the pure monistic philosophy develops from these ideas. In fact, the light of the sun and the moon are actually different from the sun and moon themselves, although they are always connected. The light of the moon spread throughout the sky appears to be impersonal, but the moon planet as it is is personal, and the living entities on the moon planet are also personal. In the rays of the moon, different material entities appear to be comparatively more or less important. The light of the moon on the Taj Mahal appears to be more beautiful than the same light in the wilderness. Although the light of the moon is the same everywhere, due to being differently appreciated, it appears different. Similarly, the light of the Lord is equally distributed everywhere, but due to being differently received, it appears to be different. One should not, therefore, accept the reflection of the moon on the water as actual and misunderstand the whole situation through monistic philosophy. The quivering quality of the moon is also variable, when the water is standing still, there is no quivering. A more settled conditioned soul quivers less, but due to material condition, the quivering quality is more or less present everywhere. Ita jale chandrama sa kampadis tat krito guna, dristite sanapi drastur atmano natmano guna. As the moon reflected on water appears to the seer to tremble, due to being associated with the quality of the water, so the self associated with matter appears to be qualified as matter. So here's again Maitreya answering the questions of Vidura. And here he's answering them with analogies. That how is the soul entangled? How is it that we're in this world? How is it that we're here particularly qualities? You know, how is it that the pure soul uh, seems to have all these bad qualities? Lamentation and, and illusion and anger and envy and, and how did how do these things uh, how do they happen? How is that possible for the pure soul in whom they don't exist? So Maitreya is making the point that this is it's not real. He said it's like seeing your own head cut off. That it's not real. It's an illusion. And well, what about the qualities? What, what about all these negative, horrible emotions that, that I feel and all of these negative qualities in myself, all of these nasty things about myself? Right? We, we try in this world to hide these nasty qualities from ourselves and others. We tell ourselves that our motives are good and we're a good person and we don't really mean any ill, and maybe our actions aren't so good, but our motives are good. And we put on all these uh, deceitful masks to other people. I'm like this, I'm like that. Always trying to defend ourselves against these bad qualities, which are always overwhelming us. And here Maitreya is saying, really, they, these qualities have nothing to do with us at all. It's like the reflection of the moon in the water. And the water is quivering, but the, the moon or even the moon rays that are hitting the water, it's not quivering. So we all have this experience of seeing the sun or the moon reflected on something. You know, you see the moon reflected in the ocean. 
and the, there's the quivering quality. I mean, it's actually quite beautiful. Like Prabhupada says here, the moon on the Taj Mahal is beautiful. So, you know, the sun is reflecting off the waves of an ocean. It looks like there's billions of diamonds glittering in the water. But they're moving. Right? They're, they're quivering. They're shaking. They're not steady. They're moving from one place to another, going out. And, right? If we had just even a small pond of water or a bucket of water and the moon's in that water, the moon looks like it's shaking. And even sometimes, if the water is still... Uh, it's not completely still. There's, there's some degree of, of quivering. So the, the, the world, the people of the world are looking for a solution to these bad qualities. They're looking, how can we have world peace? I was thinking about this the other day. You know, many times politicians or beauty contest contestants they'll say, oh, we are all praying for world peace. But mostly what we think about is our own peace, <laughs> our own personal peace. How can I become peaceful? The problems of the world seem rather overwhelming. And if one tries to conquer the problems of the world, you know, like, like right now, at this, this moment in history, there's a terrible war going on in Syria, and the Syrian people are leaving their country illegally in, in droves, paying huge amounts of money, 20,000 U.S. dollars per person to leave the country. So, you know, if a family of four, they're spending 80,000 U.S. dollars and must be selling everything that they have. And they, they get on these little boats and a lot of them die in the boat and then they go to a country that doesn't really want them and they have to stay in a refugee camp for a year and so forth and so on. And how do we solve these problems? The hatred that's causing a country to even attack their own people it causes people from different religions to kill each other and have envy. I was just reading that yesterday in the Bhagavatam, how Prabhupada was saying that the sectarian religions simply are a source of envy and, and hatred against one another. So even the religious people are fighting. Right? People are fighting on the basis of nationality. My country's better than yours. They're fighting for resources. They're fighting for you know gold and good land and so forth. They're fighting to control people. And they're even fighting over belief systems and religions. You know, my, my way of worshipping God is better than yours, and if you don't accept my way of worshipping God, then I'm going to kill you or I'm going to torture you. And then plus this, the general greed, general wanting to exploit the world, to exploit the animals and the earth. And we could go on and on. We could talk for years and years together listing all of the problems in the world caused by these bad qualities. Right? Prabhupada's saying here, illusion, lamentation, miseries. So what is the solution? You know, we can go, you know, there's some Christian group that's going to this island off of Greece and they're greeting thousands of Syrian refugees every day in the name of Christ. And so that's, that's nice. We have no quarrel with humanitarian work and, and charity. Better to do humanitarian work than just to be selfish, right? Like I was saying, most of us, we just pray for our own peace. We don't really care about world peace. But these things don't really help in the long run because the qualities are still there. The 
qualities haven't gone away. But here is the real solution. It's a non-sectarian solution. This is the only solution. It's the only solution for ourselves individually. And it's the only solution for the world. You know, a while ago I got a very sad, long, long, long letter from a devotee. You know, this, I'm having this horrible problem with my wife and this horrible problem with my child and this horrible problem with my business and with my money and everything in this man's life. And it was just a, a litany of, of misery. And then the next day he wrote me, Did you get my letter? <laughs> you know? And I thought about it for a couple of weeks. What do I say? What do I say? And the, the only solution is, is what's given here in the Bhagavatam. There isn't another solution. I mean, we can say, or you can go to a counselor, or you can try to find out what is your karma from your past lives. You know, you can change your residence. You, we can say all those, and they might even be helpful. But really, the only solution is what's given here. And that is, astonishingly enough, we're not these things. They're not us. They're not touching us. They're not part of us. They never have been part of us. There's something external to us. All these bad qualities, lust, anger, envy, greed, illusion, trividam, narakasitam, dwaranasana, matmana, kamakrodas, tatalobas, tasmadeta, toyam, twajet. Give these up. At least lust, anger, and greed. Krishna lists all the demoniac qualities in the 16th chapter. And then he says, at least these three are the key. Lust, anger, and greed. At least these must be given up. But that is so hard, right? You just say, I'm going to give up all my lust. Prabhupada tells the story that one king asked his minister, how long does a person have sexual lust? And the minister says, until the last moment of life. And the king says, well, I, I find that hard to believe. So the, king, the minister took the king to a man on his deathbed and said, bring your, your teenage daughter with you. And when they walked into the room, although the king's walking in the room, you would think the dying man would first pay attention to the king, but he's looking at the young girl with lust, and the king could understand. Even until the last minute, the lust is there. And anger, great sages like Vishramita, he may have finally conquered lust after his dalliance with, um, what's her name, uh, Menaka. But then when Ramba came, he was so angry that he, he actually harmed her, turned her to a stone in his anger. And we find that so many stories in the Bhagavatam about these great sages who just become angry. Right? There was a sage who cursed Indra Maharaj to become an elephant. Cursed somebody to become a crocodile. I mean, the Shastra is full of these curses of these Ramanas who were in the mode of goodness. And, and greed. It's so hard to say, okay, I've had enough. I've had enough. I've, I'm satisfied. I was reading about this man who decided to stop creating trash and one of his ways was when he wanted to buy something he forced himself to wait at least a week and then another week and if and then eventually he just wouldn't buy it but we're thinking oh I need this I need that I need this I need that 
And this also, greed is never satisfying. But actually, we can't get right. We can't get rid of these qualities on our own. I mean, we've tried. All of us have tried. We've tried on an individual level. We've tried on a, on a group level. And it doesn't work. In fact, what happens as the ages go on is these bad qualities increase and increase and increase. The legs of irreligion get broken one after another. Austerity, cleanliness, truthfulness, mercy. It's such a merciless time in human history. And the Lord has to come personally and just come as Kalki. He comes as like a comet and destroys everybody and again creates a beautiful garden-like paradise of Satya Yuga. And we come in the the humans come in the Satya Yuga and gradually, gradually everything degrades and degrades and degrades. And again, it has to be restarted by the Lord constantly, right? So we're trying materially. We're trying to get rid of these bad qualities. And instead of getting rid of them, they actually get worse. There's, there's a law of entropy about material objects that they tend to fall apart. Now, we all notice this. We, we buy something new and it's just beautiful, and then, oh, there's a scratch. Oh, this is worn down, right? This is <laughs> very, very quickly, you know, this gets a stain, it gets a tear, it gets a bump, it gets a dent, and it, it's, not, it's not so nice anymore. So the same with the qualities, that we're trying and trying and trying to get rid of the bad qualities, but they just get worse. I mean, on the gross level, even with our own body, right, we try to keep up our health. There are some of these people, that singer Madonna, who's like 50-something, and she works out four hours a day to try to keep a youthful body. But, you know, it's not going to work. No matter how much, how much exercise you do, how much, the body's going to get old. So putting all this energy, materially speaking, so much energy into being free from these bad qualities on a social level, on an international level, on a personal level, and materially everything just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So the only solution is the one here. It's the only, it just, there isn't another solution. There really isn't. There, there's temporary Band-Aid other solutions, that, that's fine. We don't deny that temporary Band-Aids are useful sometimes, but the real solution is, it's not me to regain our actual nature. To regain our actual nature. And the, the same point is made later in the Bhagavatam by Vasudev to Kamsa when Kamsa wants to kill Devaki. And Vasudev also says, the moving water makes the moon seem to move. But it's not us. The moon is not moving. The big moon of Krishna is not quivering. And the little moon rays of the jivas are also not quivering. The water is quivering, not the moon rays. The water is quivering, not the moon rays. So our real solution is this, and we're going to look at uh, Maya and Krishna. So with Maya, we say, it's not me. I I remember when I first uh, joined the Hare Krishna movement and the temple president's wife, Sri Leka, said to me, remember the mind is not you. Be an observer of the mind. 
an observer of the mind, just an observer. We already are an observer. The reflection of the moon is not intrinsically mixed with the water. It's not part of the water. Just observe. It's really a story about somebody else. The Catholic saint, uh, Saint Teresa of Avila, who lived about 500 years ago, she wrote a, a book of advice to the nuns in the convent that she ran. And one of her pieces of advice was, never defend yourself if someone accuses you of doing something wrong especially if you didn't do it. He said, just be silent, and if you have to say something, just agree. She said, after a while, it will seem as if they're talking about somebody else. It will, you'll, it will come to the point that you will feel like you are simply an observer, because such is the truth. When someone criticizes our bad qualities, they're really not talking about us at all. They're talking about the modes of material nature that are quivering in our mind and body, which have nothing to do with us. We're not even doing it, as Krishna says in the fifth and I believe the thirteenth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. We're not doing these things. We're not sitting, standing, talking, eating, evacuating. We're not doing it. We're just an observer. Be an observer. And how does one be an observer? We don't want to be an observer. We want to become immersed. A person reading a book, watching a film, playing a game. If you try to talk to them, they become annoyed. I'm absorbed in this fantasy. Don't interrupt me. Hmm? Because without being absorbed in the illusion... One doesn't get any illusion of pleasure from it. There's no pleasure in being, there's no sense pleasure in being an observer. There's, there's no pleasure of the contact of the senses with their objects when one is simply an observer. Of course, there is a pleasure. There's the pleasure of freedom. The pleasure of detachment and freedom is much higher than the pleasure of the sense objects. So to be an observer. Now, there's others who try to be an observer. Prabhupada talks a lot in these purports about the monists and the impersonalists. The monists try to be an observer by identifying themselves with the greater, with the whole moon and saying, I am the moon. Now, so this is absurd to think that all the reflections of the moon are actually the moon. But this concept of going to this, the place of being an observer, I'm watching this. You know, there's some crisis in my life. How long do we go without a, at least a small crisis? There's some crisis in my life. My, the machine I depend upon is breaking in some way, right? The body or the computer or getting a shock from my light switch or my car needs to be repaired or something. I'm an observer. It's really a story that's happening to someone else. In fact, it's not really happening to anyone. 
It's just the water quivering. And it's fascinating. One should actually be fascinated by Krishna's illusory energy. Krishna himself is fascinated. Wow, my illusory energy works so wonderfully, he feels. One shouldn't become disgusted. One should become disgusted with one's attempt to enjoy maya, but one shouldn't become disgusted with the material energy. Material energy is Vaishnavi. One should become fascinated with how wonderful Krishna is at doing this energy. Not fascinated to want to enjoy it, but fascinated like a detached scientist. And we find a lot of the scripture is devoted to detailed descriptions, either directly or through analogy, as here, of how the material energy works. How interesting. How interesting that when the water shakes, I think I'm shaking. How does he do that? It seems so real. It seems that I am angry. And it happens so fast. The lust, anger, greed, illusion. It happens so quickly and and so imperceptibly, and it certainly seems to be me. Wow, how does he do that? How does he do that? You know, ordinary illusionists, other jivas who are illusionists, I don't have that much power. Somebody to try to create an alternate world in the movies, TV, books but they're not so expert in the dramas. You don't get drawn in so completely. But with Krishna's illusion, it's, it's, it's almost complete. I mean, every once in a while you say, what's going on here? And how intricately everything is arranged, although it's temporary, fleeting for a moment. I mean, fleeting for a moment, and yet so beautifully arranged. Every detail from the great cosmic manifestation of the universes and the stars. Down to the minute action of the cell, down to the little flecks of matter, the grains of sand, the crystals of salt and sugar, everything is amazing. And it lasts for a moment. One moment. By Lord Brahma's calculation, our human life in Kali Yuga is eight billionths of a second. And in that eight billionths of a second, so many stories, so many plots and subplots unfold. So many amazing things happen. What movie director would have so many things happen in eight billionths of a second? Some creatures that live less than human beings and still their bodies are so intricately done and amazing. So we should be we should be appreciative. Srila Prabhupada gives the analogy that if you go into a garden and you just say to the gardener, Oh, it's all false, the gardener will be depressed. He said, So don't depress Krishna. So we're an observer, but we're an appreciative observer. We observe with appreciation. And that appreciation isn't just mental, it's practical. We show our appreciation 
by using things in the service of the creator and the maintainer, by using things in the service of Krishna, by reconnecting them through our actions and mood with Krishna, appreciating their connection with Krishna, appreciating Krishna's art, artistry and intelligence, and using everything. Prabhupada says we don't reject anything. We can use everything in Krishna's service. This Yukta Vairagya philosophy of Rupa Goswami. And this is our mood. How can I use it in service? Because that is the reality. The reality is that everything is meant for service. And not only, not only that, but we don't try to stop, entirely stop this quivering. Prabhupada talks about how it's possible sometimes the water doesn't quiver so much. You know, when one's in the mode of goodness, the quivering of the water is almost still. It's a slight quivering. When one's in ignorance, it's completely agitated and passionate somewhere in the middle. But our aim isn't just to try to still the quivering. Our, our aim is to use it in service. To use our, the emotions in service, to use the body in service, to use the things of the world in service, to use our relationship in service, everything to glorify God. And this is the only solution for ourselves, and it's a solution that we need to give to the people of the world. But that's not all. If that's all that we get to, an observer who's, who's fascinated by how wonderful Krishna is and uses everything in service, that's not enough. And the reason it's not enough is that we as spirit souls we are aching for an intense life of emotion and variety. We don't want to be just a neutral observer who appreciates and uses in service. That, that's okay for a while. You know, it's, it's a platform of relief from identifying with the material wave, so it's, it's okay for a while. Like a vacation. You know, it's like a vacation. I was, I, I got a, a letter from a devotee who's just gone to Mayapur to take the Bhakti Shastri class. And he wrote me. He said, I'm not bringing any devices with me to India and I don't intend to go anywhere to log on. So if you reply to this letter, I probably won't see it for a long time. And I thought this morning, would I like to do that? Would I like to go back to how my life was like without all these uh, connectivity Devices. I thought that would be nice for a while, but I'm doing all this service with them. I would t- it's nice to take a break for a while from everything. You know, here in Hawaii, I'm not sure what percentage of the people on the island at any given time were tourists, but I'm sure it's a high percentage. And people are just taking a break. They want to leave behind their work, their family, their, their home. For many years I was traveling and preaching without any home. And it was actually a relief. Wow, I don't have a home. I don't have to worry about a mortgage. I don't have to worry about rent. I don't have to worry about a leaky faucet or a breaking wall or, you know, all the things you worry about with, with a home. So it's a relief. I'm just the observer. I'm just the observer how interesting everything is. It's interesting. Oh, that my arm is broken? That's interesting. Oh, you know, my, my wife of 40 years says she's leaving me for another man. 
Well, that's fascinating. How the modes of material nature are working. What service can I use this for? How can I use this opportunity for service? But that's not enough. We want full absorption. Those who are absorbed in the material energy are crazy. That's not a popular word today. But, you know, people who have mental illness, they see and hear things that ostensibly are not there. The way they perceive the world is, at least from our objective perception, inaccurate. So Prabhupada had that booklet in the beginning days of ISKCON, Who is Crazy? So someone who's identifying with the water, the quivering water, they're crazy. But we want to be absorbed in a kind of, of madness. Advaita Chari wrote a letter to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at the end of Mahaprabhu's manifest pastimes, saying, now the others have become mad like you. The others have become crazy like you. We want a kind of craziness. We want a craziness in love. What we're looking for, why do we identify with these waves? Because we want to be swept away by emotion. We desire that. Perhaps such is the reason why the human female body is considered by the Vedas to be spiritually not as desirable because the female psychology tends to be more swept away by these emotions. Individuals individuals may vary. But we want that. Right? And the, the lower you go, the more you're swept away by emotion. Right? The animals, they're just completely bewildered by their desires and emotions. But we want that. Even very high-class human beings, even people very much in the mode of goodness, they still want to become swept away by emotion and be absorbed in some. It's natural for the soul. So we need the positive. As Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati said, we don't just want anartha nivritti, we want artha pavritti. We want to become absorbed in the positive. And this also, as a solution, must be given to the world. Simply, detachment is not enough. Even detachment in in fascination and using in service is not enough. Using the material energy in service is not our original constitutional position ultimately and fully. We have to be absorbed in the reality. Just to say, it's not me. Neti neti. This quivering is not me. But who am I? Ahambramasmi. Okay, that's general. I am a soul. But that will not satisfy. Just like so many times when children are adopted, as they grow up, they say, who's my father and mother? It's a funny question, I think, because... You know, aren't the people who raised you, aren't they your father and mother? Why do you need to find your biological why? Why is there this urge among the adopted to find their biological father and mother? It's a very strong urge. People will go through a lot of trouble often. Because we, we want to, who, are, who am I? What's my identity? 
not just in general, I'm spirit. Well, you were somebody's child. Somebody gave birth to you. You have a mother and father. No, I want to know who specifically. Who specifically is my mother? Who specifically is my father? So in a, in a similar way, we need to know who I am specifically. Not just I am a soul, but what soul? What's my nature? What's my personality? I feel a Prabhupada in these purports really emphasizes that God is a person. The solution is not monistic. So through Krishna consciousness, we should be realizing our eternal identity. Not just in a general way. So instead of, it's not me, I'm the observer. It's me and I'm a participant. How do I participate in the Lord's pastimes? I mean, as a beginning devotee, uh, we participate in the Lord's pastimes by using the world in his service because Mahaprabhu's pastimes are going on here. And we may meditate on that as well, like the Brahmana who meditated on offering the deity sweet rice. So our, our internal meditation is like that. Our external behavior is like that. And as we advance, then we should start to have internal meditation. It should come. It has to come. start of its own accord through mercy invoked by our sadhana, received by our sadhana, but one starts to meditate on doing service in the reality. As Mahaprabhu would say, you always meditate on serving Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan. So some kind of service. So as our real identity awakens, we become not an observer, but a participant. We don't want to just observe Krishna's pastimes. We want to just be an observer of the changes in this world. Oh, that's interesting. But we don't want to just be an observer of Krishna's lila. An observer of Krishna's lila, that's like the demigods. They just observe Krishna's lila. Of course, some of them incarnate and participate in it, as Lord Vishnu asked them to do. But many of the demigods are just watching. They shower flowers from the sky. But we want to enter into those pastimes. We want to participate in them. We want to have that mood of participation in them at the beginning stage in Vaidhi Bhakti, and we want to go into a specific stage in Raghunuga Bhakti. And we certainly want to find them also totally fascinating, but in a different way. We want to be fascinated by how clever and wonderful the Lord is in his material creation. We want to appreciate Krishna's incredible dexterity, as we read in the previous purport, in the material creation. But we want to be even more fascinated by the spiritual creation. You know, if I'm watching my beloved husband do his job, I want to be fascinated by how well he does his job. But I want to be more fascinated when he's at home with me and we're having an intimate conversation. So we want to become more fascinated by Bhagavan than by Krishna's dealings in this world as Paramatma and Brahman and we want to become more fascinated by Krishna in Goloka Vrindavan. As Prabhupada writes, we should be captivated by the information of the spiritual world. It should be absorbing us. Mama Nusram Yujicha. While we're, while we're using the world in Krishna's service, we should gradually change our consciousness to be absorbed in, fascinated by, participating in the ultimate reality. And again, it's all about service. And we want to move from just using things in service technically. 
I'm driving this car to the market to buy some fruit to offer to the deity. I'm driving to the store to distribute Srila Prabhupada's books. We want the service attitude to pervade us. Trinata, peace, and uchena, tarori, vasi, ishnuna, amani, namani, deda, kirtani, and sadahari. We want, we want that to be our mood, that I want to serve, I want to love. I want it to be about Krishna at the center. So those positives have to be there. In the, as far as the quivering water, it's not me. And on the positive side, what am I? Who am I? Where do I invest my identity? For the material nature, wow, Krishna is so amazing and so fascinating and, and so artistic and creative and clever. And from the spiritual side, the same, but in a different context. The material side, he's so clever to make every grain of sand different and every snowflake different and the complexity that lasts for a moment. And on the spiritual side, how clever he is to expand himself in Rasvila, to play with the cowherd boys and get defeated by them, to show the universe to Mother Yasoda in his mouth. And so we're singing the Dhammadrastika. May, may it always be manifest in my mind, in my heart. This means fascinated. What we think about in our heart is what fascinates us, what attracts us. And to go from using the world externally in service to an internal mood as a servant. And if the world starts to do this, if the people of the world start to do this, Shiva Prabhupada writes, then we can invoke the former ages of Satya Yuga and Treta Yuga even in the Kali Yuga. So even in parts of the world where there's a severe winter, ten years we lived in Detroit, Michigan, where the winter's pretty bad. It's really cold, you know. You, you go outside and you've got to wear long underwear and thick wool socks and, you know, wool sweaters and a down coat and a wool hat and a down hood and a wool scarf and thick insulated boots and you know your nose is still cold and big mittens very severe winter but but there was always some days where it felt like spring you have some day in the middle of the winter where it felt like spring where you, you could go outside with just a little t-shirt on in the middle of the day so it was predicted that there's going to be a hiatus in this Kali Yuga, that when Krishna, in the Kali Yuga where Krishna and Lord Chaitanya comes, there's a little break. And although it's Kali Yuga, that it appears like the former ages for a little while. So as we, if we can spread this understanding, it's a non-sectarian understanding, it's simply truthfulness. We are not quivering when the water is quivering. These qualities are not ours. We are not full of lust, anger, greed, illusion. It's not us. It's just the mind and the body. We have another self. Then we can change the world. And then all the other things will come. Then people will become vegetarian. Then they'll become environmentally conscious. All these other, all these things that people try to work on separately. Then there'll be respect between men and women. Then there'll be respect between the races, between the nationalities. Otherwise, it cannot happen as long as we identify with the quivering. 
So let us be an observer of the world and a participant in the reality. Let us be an observer of the world and a participant in the reality and let us teach this to others vigorously in whatever way we can, whether we're teaching it to our wife, husband, children, nieces and nephews, whether we're teaching it to our fellow workers or our employees or our clients or our patients, whoever we interact with. And if we can't teach it overtly, then we teach it covertly by our behavior, that we're an observer of the world and a participant in the reality, and they see us and say, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Like at a Rathiatra one time, when my oldest son was three, I took him and another three-year-old boy to use the toilet in a museum while we were waiting for the parade to start, and the guard there said, I've never seen children like that. What do you feed them? Or when I was working at a, a government school, I remember one of the parent volunteers came up to me and said, I've never seen eyes that sparkle like that. So people should come and, and see us. Right? Like I, as one of my god sisters and god brothers asked Prabhupada, how can we preach? Prabhupada said, invite someone to your house for three days and say, live the way I am living. So we can preach overtly by distributing Srila Prabhupada's books, by distributing prasadam, by going on Harinam Sankirtan, by talking about Krishna. And we preach uh, covertly by being, as Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world, by being a living Bhagavata. Giving people the book Bhagavata and being a Bhagavata. And that can change the world. Just see how, how one person, Srila Prabhupada, had such a huge effect on so many hundreds of thousands of people. Our Lord Jesus Christ has an effect for, for millions of people for thousands of years. We shouldn't think, oh, I'm such a small living entity. What can I do? That's what we can do. You know, if you send $1,000 to the Syrian refugees or you go on this Greek island and, and give them clothes, and oh, well, that's nice. Better than being selfish, Krishna says. But if we really want to solve the problems of the world, it's not going to be solved as long as people identify with the quivering of the water on which their ray of moonlight is reflected. So questions, comments? Youth of Vairagya, utilizing everything in the service of Krishna. Do you think there may be some exceptions to the butcher shop the envy and arrogance within our hearts. Well, if you want to talk about a butcher shop, a butcher shop can't be utilized in service, but all of the elements of the butcher shop can. I mean, the animals that are being killed can be used in service in their living state. The, you know, knives and the equipment, I'm sure, all have some good utilization. It's something like that, you know, like, like what is alcohol? Alcohol is just fermented organic material, and you can use fermented organic material as fertilizer in your garden. I mean, you can even use alcohol directly in some, some Ayurvedic medicines, even. Uh, the herbs are dissolved in alcohol. So there is some uh, way of utilizing everything. It's just a question of the form. As far as the lust, greed, anger, I think it's Nirotamadastakur. I think so. Who writes this song about how I'm going to be using all these in Krishna's service? Is that Nirotamadastakur? Anyway, it's one of the acharyas. 
that writes like that. You know, I, I'm going to be using all these things because they have their original form. Just like Rupa Goswami says, the only price for attaining Krishna is greed. Greed? Greed is considered the worst of the of Kama Kroda because uh, Kama and Kroda, lust and anger, at least temporarily they can be satisfied. You know, Haranyakashipu was angry at Vishnu his whole life, but generally, you know, if I'm furious at somebody, then once I express that anger, it's it's spent. I'm not angry anymore. It's it's gone. The feeling is gone. And, and, and you know, lust, once one indulges in one's lust, then the, the lust is gone. Temporarily. But greed, there's not even a temporary cessation. You know, you, you, they say everybody always wants 10% more money than they have. You know, so you get 10% more money and then you want 10% more than that and you want to, and, and on and on and on. So it's the worst of, the, of those three qualities. And yet Rupa Goswami is saying the only price, he says the only price. He said that is the only price, interestingly enough. When he says there's one price, he doesn't say humility, he doesn't say service, he doesn't say tolerance, he doesn't say any of those things. He, say, he doesn't give, list the good qualities. Rupa Goswami doesn't say the price is you have to develop these good qualities. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say the price is performing sadhana. Oh my God. Prabhupada tells the story of this one thief who happened upon a Bhagavatam class going on in his village. And he heard the Bhagavatam speaker talk about Krishna's jewels, how Krishna's covered with all these jewels. And he became greedy for the jewels. And he thought, I'm going to find that boy. This is what happened with uh, Lord Chaitanya that these two thieves wanted to steal his jewels. So this thief thought, I want to, I want to get these jewels. And the Bhagavatam speaker was saying, that Krishna lives in the town of Vrindavan. So this thief thought, I'll go there and I'll steal his jewels. So he went to Vrindavan and he's looking and looking for Krishna. And Krishna actually appeared before him as a little boy, covered with jewels. And the thief said to him, oh, what a wonderful person. Krishna says, what do you want? And he said, can I have your jewels? And Krishna is a little boy. He said, I have to ask my mother first. She might be angry if I give them away. And he ended up melting into prema. So what sadhana did this thief do? What sadhana did? Nothing. He didn't do any sadhana. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, following a codice and lighting a lamp for Damodar and chanting, you know, 108 rounds every day and giving and he wasn't doing any of that. And what good qualities did he have? He had no good qualities and he had no sadhana, but because he had greed for Krishna. Now that doesn't mean that we should all abandon our sadhana and our good qualities. That's not the point. But the point is that this greed can be you know, anger, anger at the at the demons. Without some anger, how how will one preach? Compassion is wrapped up with some anger. If if I have compassion for the for the animals that are being slaughtered, the, ba- the unborn babies that are being slaughtered, I have compassion for the butchers and the murderers. There's some anger in that love, isn't there? You know, if, if someone I love is doing something that's harming themselves and others, 
then there's some anger that comes from that love. And there's a there's a, a lust in a sense, not not lust in the sense of selfishness, but there's a a kind of a great desire for for serving Krishna and for pleasing Krishna. So yes, even those qualities, because the, all those bad qualities are just twists of something that's real. Bad qualities don't actually exist in their own right. Evil doesn't have a tangible existence in and of itself. It, evil simply means taking something and, and, and using it badly. You know, if I pick up a, a spoon and hit you on the head with it, you know, the, the, the spoon isn't evil, but my use of it is evil. So everything, yes, everything can be used. And ultimately we see the great devotees, they, they're... Like Prabhupada said, illusion. That's an illusion. The world is vacant without Govinda. The world isn't vacant. It's full of so many things. But they have this illusion that the world is vacant. It's useless. You know, there was a pop song like that when I was a kid. Uh, you know, my world is empty without you, baby. And, and so the materialists have this illusion that without my boyfriend or girlfriend, the world is empty. But we don't want that kind of an illusion. But we want that illusion that without Krishna, the world is vacant. We want the, the illusion that a moment without Krishna is like a yuga. So all of these things, you know, the madness. Radharani speaking to the bumblebee and, and Rupa Goswami and his Ujjalani and money which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also discusses with Sanatana Goswami and Chaitanya Charitamrita, all of the kinds of prajalpa. There's, I think, ten kinds of prajalpa that Radharani speaks with the bumblebee. I believe it's ten, ten or twelve. Each verse, Mahaprabhu and uh, Rupa Goswami analyzes a different kind of prajalpa. So, you know, Rupa Goswami is telling us in the Upadeshamrita, prajalpa niyamagraha, it's one of the uh, vinashiti, it will destroy bhakti. And at the higher levels of bhakti, Radharani is engaged in, you know, a dozen different kinds of prajalpa. <laughs> or who was it? Was it Raghunathas Goswami? I think it was Raghunathas Goswami. He said, I'd rather hear the village talk of the residents of Rindavan than the philosophy of the monists. <laughs> you know, what, what are the... There's a place in Nectar Devotion where Prabhupada talks about how the cowherd boys are, are whispering messages messages to and back and forth between Krishna and the gopis and Prabhupada says something, I don't remember the exact words but none of it's really very important village talk, like in the ordinary world you know, you, you go to the, the grocery store or you go to a doctor's office, dentist's office there's so many magazines of gossip now, I hate that they put it right by the checkout at the store it's like, you know, you're just standing in line waiting to pay for your stuff and and you, it's right in front of you, right? These people, of course, I don't even know who they are, but I assume that they're famous people. You know, this this person is getting a divorce, and this person had an abortion, and this person is secretly in love with this person, and, and all this kind of stuff. Just useless gossip, Gramyakata. But the Gramyakata of the residents of Vrindavan, oh, did you see what Radharani was wearing? She, that necklace was too big for her. I don't think that's hers. Isn't this, this is an electric devotion? Where it says that that, that that necklace was Krishna's. 
Because Krishna is taller, you know. So I'm not just Krishna. What, what is Radharani doing there? Do you think that Radharani got that from Krishna? You know, it is village talk. And, and just, you know, hey, Jatila, you know, you should hurry up and, and go out to the forest. Your daughter-in-law is, is not really out worshiping the sun. She's really with Krishna. You should go stop it, you know. And Jatila goes out to the forest and she sees a, a grove of, of dark trees and Krishna just blends in and she just sees Radharani sitting there alone, you know. And then this is the, the village talk. And, uh, you know, Radharani's friends are complaining to Chandravali's mother-in-law, and Chandravali's friends are complaining to Radharani's mother-in-law, and, and they're getting each other in trouble, and, you know, and, and the, the older, they're also talking, oh, did you, did you know what Krishna did? And they're talking even about little things, you know? Oh, he pinched my baby, and my baby's crying, and he urinated on the floor, and look how he's eating the butter, and, you know, that... So everything, yes, everything, everything is there in the ultimate reality. Even competition. You know, I'm going to touch Krishna first. I'm going to touch Krishna first. Is that all right? That's great. Thank you so much. I have a question, Mother Irmala. Yes. Can I interrupt okay. before you do? Oh, I just sorry. Want to, I just want to remind devotees, I had to mute about a dozen of you, not a dozen, half a dozen of you. If you want me to unmute, you just text me. But uh, try to make sure you don't make any. Yes, what was your question? Well, you were talking about our bad qualities, and it's amazing because this morning I woke up thinking about mine. And I did feel a little overwhelmed by them. Mm. Couldn't be an observer. But I thought, I was thinking that it's getting in my way of my service. So. But they're not our bad qualities. It's not us. I mean, our lamentation should be, oh Krishna, I've identified with these bad qualities. But it's not me. Yes, but like, for example, humility. You know, let's say I'm, I'm seeing that I'm really not a humble person. That that is one thing that I need to become more is humble. To be able to, I mean, even Lord Chaitanya said, you know, more humble than the blade of grass. How can I become more humble than the blade of grass? I got to get there so I can do this. Well, we can try to work on humility, and that, that's okay. However, the real solution is to stop identifying with the pride. Laugh at it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can cry that we've identified with this pride for so long. I mean, this is very easy to see in another person. Right? When, when you see another person being prideful, it's so obvious that it's just phony. It's not authentic. Right. You know, it, it's so obvious. The person is saying, oh, I'm really good at this, and I'm... And you're thinking, uh-huh. this is crazy. This uh-huh. It's not real. And it's it's laughable. You know, the, the, the sorrow is that I've, I've identified with this so long, and in my identification with it, I've neglected the Lord. Uh-huh. 
and yes, we can do this, not on our own, but with mercy we can do this. We can look at all these bad qualities, which we're never going to get rid of materially. Never. We'll you have to try and try and try. And as I said, things tend to go down, not up in the world. Mm-hmm. But we can stop thinking it's us, because it's not me. I'm not an arrogant, nasty, envious, cruel, selfish, I'm a soul. But do we stop thinking about that it's not us, like to be an observer, but at the same time, I'm thinking we we need to stop those, I mean, we need to like... um, not do them all the time or no, we won't do trying to negate it from if our we life become or... an observer because then there'll be you know here we have this analogy of water of, of the water quivering it will be like rivers going to the ocean which is always being filled but which is ever still mm-hmm. the modes will still be there in, in, Bhagavad, in Bhagavad Gita 14 chapter I think it's 1422 22-25 where Prabhupada says in that purport that the, as long as we have a material body and mind, it's going to be, if the, the material body and mind are going to be acting according to the modes. That's not going to stop. Trying to stop it is, is, is hopeless. It's, it won't work. But we have to become, Prabhupada said, neutral. Like Krishna says, one who does not hate illumination, attachment, and aversion when they appear nor long for them when they disappear. Who knows that the modes alone are active? So you just see, oh, this is the mode of this is this mode of nature right now. I like what Jed Barrett when he felt very he felt waves of dissatisfaction. We have this analogy of waves again. So he had felt these waves of dissatisfaction at the insults of Maharaj Rahubana. So that's natural. If somebody insults us, if somebody disrespects us, if somebody you know doesn't appreciate us, and so forth. It's natural to feel some waves of dissatisfaction. I mean, we are a living being. Uh-huh. But it said he, he felt them in the mind, but he neglected them. And that's not repression. He just saw, oh, this is the working of the modes of nature. Okay. This is the working of the modes of nature. It's not me. Who am I? Go back to identity. Who am I? I'm a pure self. I am a servant of Krishna. I am originally one of Krishna's cows and cowherds and gopis. And, and I'm just visiting here. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, these, these things, they're just affecting the body and the mind. They're, they're, like, they're like walking through an electronic store or walking through an airport and there's, there's some horrific scene playing on the screen. That has nothing to do with me. And one who does not hate attachment, illumination, attachment, and delusion when they appear, no long for them when they disappear. So the mind is sometimes going to be overcome by these things. That, that's a fact, but I'm not the mind. And we can just watch it. Oh, look at that. The mind is dreaming. <laughs> The mind is prideful. Look at that funny pride. You know, last night at dinner, my four-year-old grandson uh, said something wrong. He asked for someone to pass some of the prasadam to him, but he, he said it wrong. And he just started laughing at his own mistake. 
And my son said, that's the way to deal with mistakes, to laugh at them, not to, you know, defend them and get upset by them. And this is, it's a general truth, mm-hmm. uh, to laugh at them. And just like Sarvabhavadatachari, he said, my dear Lord, I, I am a crow and you turn me into Garuda. How amazing is that? He said, it is not amazing that you've saved the world. That's not a big thing for you. But to save me, that's amazing. So that is actually humility. If, if you look at the uh, verses of Krishna Das Kaviraj, where he says, I'm lower than the worm in stool, you know, more sinful than Jaghai and Madai. If you just say my name, you'll lose all your pious activities. There are 17 verses in that section. And if you, if you read the section, you'll see it's a section of rejoicing where he's saying, but I have the service of Madan Mohan, I have the mercy of Lord Nityananda. Mm-hmm. I'm entering into Vrindavan, and that's how we get rid of the bad qualities. I am so, I am so low in this world, but that's not me. And, and I'm, I'm being rescued from this, I'm entering into Vrindavan, how wonderful is my Lord. Let's not try to become wonderful ourselves. Let's just see how wonderful Krishna is, how wonderful Srila Prabhupada is, that they are pulling us out of this identification to the reality. Then whatever bad qualities are still there in our body and mind are inconsequential. They don't touch Thank us. Thank you. Dandavat, Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah, it that audience matters. Uh, it was a great verse, a great purport. It just launched something wonderful. So uh, your point about just being an observer, realizing that we're spirit, it's not enough, and that's true, and that we're meant to be absorbed in our spiritual nature. Yes. Uh, because the soul is crying out for real emotion, eternal relationships, realizing our spiritual, you know, service. Um, I once heard that Bhagavatam is postgraduate Bhagavad Gita, and that yes. Chaitanya Charitamrita is Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam in motion. Wow. And that the devotees, many of them, eternal parishads, are in leela with each other as devotees. So how wow. attractive it is when the devotees are joyfully absorbed in service together. And I think some of us get a glimpse of that during Prabhupada's time. Mm. And, and how satisfying it is to be under the shelter of a pure devotee engaged in activities to save the fallen souls and acting on the spiritual platform. And, and that's Leela if we're properly situated. So, so even this class, Nasta Prayeshva Badreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, this class that we regularly attend is, in a sense, rendering service to Srila Prabhupada, rendering service to the pure devotee is part of this verse also and that all things that are troublesome to the heart are almost completely destroyed and mm-hmm. loving service to the person you know yes. to the lord is is established as an irrevocable right? fact cannot be revoked. exactly so it's 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 um 
just by having this Bhagavatam class and also by being in the association of devotees that are enthusiastically engaged under the guidance of pure or higher Vaishnavas, then, you know, that satisfaction of heart comes. Yeah? Yeah, for, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, I was thinking about the um, detached state that you're um, discussing, and I was thinking in Bhagavad Gita chapter 5, starting with text 8 and 9, and going to text 13, um, when it would be helpful, it says, when the embodied living entity, living being, controls his nature and mentally renounces all actions he resides happy in the city of the nine gates neither working nor causing work to be done and and of course that uh eight and nine verse was the um kind of the striking one where it says a person in divine consciousness um what's he do Although engaged in seeing hearing touching smelling eating moving about sleeping breathing always knows with himself he actually does nothing at all because while speaking, evacuating, receiving, or closing his eyes, he always knows that only the material senses are engaged with their objects and that he is aloof from them. Yeah, so, so the it, same is in, is in uh, Bhagavad Gita 1330. One who can see that all activities are performed by the body, which is created in material nature, and sees that the self does nothing, actually see. Yeah, so it's. Um, it's the progress in Bhagavad Gita that starts, you know, now that there was a time. And by applying that, then one gets that um, that other perspective. He gets the detachment where he can see that this is just the material modes and he's got made of those. So, thank you. Yes, wonderful. Anybody else? I had something to say, Ramona. Yes. Um... I was thinking anybody who does deity worship, the Bhutashuti prayers, mm. they're a constant affirmation mm. of who we really are. And I found, I know for me that that, rather than I, we can get overwhelmed by all of our contamination. Mm. And so I find that it's really helpful to focus on the positive. And, and I don't know how many are familiar with the prayers, but first one is, I am by nature the eternal servant of Krishna. But by misfortune, due to being inimical towards him from time immemorial, I've been identifying with this body and have been wandering in the cycle of birth and death again and again in this material existence, being burned by the threefold miseries. Now, as a result of some unimaginable good fortune, by the mercy of my spiritual master, I know that I'm the eternal servant of Krishna, that I'm an infinitesimal spiritual being completely apart from the gross and subtle body. Now, by the order of my spiritual master, following in his footsteps, I have obtained the good fortune of being able to serve his lotus feet, as well as the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Radha Shama Sundar. And then it goes on to um, the verse, I'm not a Brahmin, I'm not a Kshatriya, I'm not a Vaishra Sudra, mm. neither am I a Brahmachari, nor a Grihasta, nor a Vanaprasta, nor a Sanyasi. But I'm simply the servant of the servant of the servant of the lotus feet of the eternally self-manifesting ocean of nectar of the highest bliss, the master of the Gopi Sri Krishna. And then the final meditation is, 
The devotee should meditate with great enthusiasm for serving at the lotus feet of his spiritual master on his own body completely pure and cleansed from all contamination with the temple of Sri Hari on his forehead, on his, that's Tila, on his neck beautiful Tulsi beads, on his chest the syllables of the holy name and sandalwood bolts which has been offered to the Lord on his forehead and wearing on his body light and shining new garments. The main point is when we, when we identify with our contaminations, it, identify with is the key word. It's very discouraging. I mean, yes, it can bring some humility, but the point is we have to really, like you say, really realize who we really are. Yes, actually the real humility comes from realizing who we are, and then we feel humble and repentant for having identified with the false. Not for absorbing ourselves in our falsity. That's useful for a moment or two, but it's not, uh, it's not the, it's the permanent state of joyfulness. Some lamentation and grief needs to be there, for sure. But it's not where we should live. Right. You know, there, there I think I find these prayers, I chant them every morning. In, in fact, right. in fact the, uh, I think it's the High Bhakti Velas that states that those prayers should also be chanted not only for deity worship, but also before, um, you know, our japa and Gayatri and like that. And there's, there's even a particular meditation given there in the Hari Bhakti Velas where one meditates on... Uh, that the soul is at the feet of Paramatma, that the air from the Manipuri chakra lights the fire in the heart chakra and burns the body to ashes, and then the nectar from the Agya chakra restores the body in a spiritual form, and then we are there in our spiritual body. So this, this, and we find such descriptions throughout the Bhagavatam, you know, merging all of the material elements. Maharaj Yudhisthira, before he took sannyas, he did that. He meditated on merging all of the material elements of the body and the mind back into their source and just existing as a pure spiritual being. So this sort of meditation is part of our deity worship process, it's part of the Bhagavatam, and it's our, our general mood. Uh, another interesting thing, my friend Srimati in Vrindavan likes to teach people a verse from the Chaitanya Charitamita spoken by Adwaita Acharya. Adwaita Acharya is Sadashiva, and as Sadashiva, he is in charge of the false ego. That is his realm, is the ahankara, the false identity. And so what better person than Adwaita Acharya to teach us about real identity? And he has this verse, Chaitanya Dasamui, Chaitanya Das, Chaitanya Dasamui. I am a servant of Lord Chaitanya, I am a servant of Lord Chaitanya, and I am a servant of his servants. And, you know, to, something that can remind us of our real identity. I am a, a, a disciple or a follower of Srila Prabhupada, I am a disciple of so-and-so, I am a servant of Lord Chaitanya and his servants, I am a pure spirit soul, something. And when these bad qualities rear their heads, wait, I'm a soul. This is not me. I am a servant of Krishna. What would I do as a servant of Krishna? And uh, I often call this the secret agent principle. You know, that the, the American secret agent is in Russia and they have some cover occupation as a car dealer. 
but their real identity is that they're working for the American government. Their real identity is not that they're selling cars. And of course, they have to be a very good car salesman because otherwise they won't be able to do their spying work. But that's not their real work. So we, we should be expert at our work in this world. But we're really secret agents for Krishna. We really work for his company. We work for Guru. We work for Lord Chaitanya. And that's what we're doing. And, you know, if you're, if you're a secret agent pretending to be a car dealer, how much are you going to get wrapped up in the emotions and the difficulties of the car dealership? Yeah, it's not your... That's the problem. We get wrapped up. We get wrapped up. And that's because we start being... That's because we become an observer of the spiritual and a participant in the illusion. Switch it. Observe the illusion and participate in the spiritual. Shilaprabhupada Ki Jai. Uh.